At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. everybody. Our guest this week is somebody that you heard about. Our guest this week is going to be Jane, the phone lady. I know you're all saying, oh my God, we released the Kelly, the box girl episode over again so that you could all catch up with what was happening there. And the woman whose phone was stolen, this is two years ago, has graciously agreed to talk to us, and she's going to tell us her side of the story in a minute. But just to bring you up to date and give you a timeline, on September 17, 2017, which was about four months after The Keepers was released, I got a Facebook message from the woman who we're calling Jane the Phone Lady saying, I have some information for you, and I'm not sure what to do about it. Now, I get messages similar to that from a lot of people. Some are good leads. Some are just somebody wanting to say, I have six brothers who knew Sister Kathy, or I know somebody who knew somebody. But I responded, and I said, sure, what's your information? And the person who was sending me the message said, I have a box of materials that I think you should have, and I don't want to have it because I think it has to do with what was in the keepers. So I asked if I could call her, and I, she gave me her phone number. We talked for a while, and then she said, I have to go pick up my daughter at daycare. Can I call you back? So she called me back while she was picking her daughter up. I could hear the child in the back seat. And we talked for about an hour. She messaged me in the middle of the night 
and said, I'm sorry, but I don't want to do this anymore. Of course, Gemma, the Nancy Drew was frustrated. And I tried to reach this person all day long and got nowhere. Later that evening, I got a phone call from, or I'm sorry, another message from the woman we're going to speak to today. Her name, we're going to call her Jane. And her message to me was, the young woman who contacted you stole my phone. I'm not, she's not me. And I have my phone back. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to her. And if Shane, if you have questions as we go along, you know, we're going to both jump in there. But I want to welcome Jane, the phone lady. Hi, how are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm a little nervous, but I guess I'll just start off like from the beginning, how it all transpired. That that would be great. If you can talk nice and loud, that would be good for our listeners. Sure, no problem. I met Kelly probably 2014. We had maintained a pretty good friendship over the years. Somewhere in time, Kelly became a lost person. She got wrapped up in things that I don't think she even knew what she was getting herself into. And it her demons just took over her. She got in a very abusive relationship with a man that seemed that all of her friends were having to constantly save her from. Whether it was physical abuse or financial help, we were always having to come and be her hero. One, one afternoon, I had gotten a phone call that Kelly and her boyfriend had gotten into a scuffle and he had hit her with a tire iron and badly hurt her. Nobody could get a hold of Kelly. I know that the boyfriend had put in had been put in jail that afternoon because of it, but nobody could get a hold of her. So me being the friend that's always there helping her and getting her out of bad situations, I did what I thought was best because I couldn't get a hold of her because she didn't have a phone of her own. I called the sheriff's department to have a wellness check done on her. And apparently what I did not know is the property that they found her on was property that she has a trespass Again, she was not allowed to be on that property. So when they got out there to do the wellness check, they arrested her for being on that property. And ever since then, she held a grudge against me and thought that I was had ill intentions when I placed that phone call. Unto my knowledge, I didn't realize that she was holding any kind of grudge against that. A few weeks later, she contacted me same situation. Hey, I'm leaving Dawn. He's beating me. Please come and get me. I need to get away from this. I'm going back to Maryland. Take me home. And I did. I went and got her, drove around because I had nowhere to take her. I have children of my own and I didn't trust her being in my house just because of the company she keeps and the things that she was into. Unfortunately, Kelly is mentally ill and I just don't, I couldn't trust having her in my home for my own safety and the safety of my family. So we drove around for eight hours. I took her to every friend's house she could think of just for her to have a place to stay. Meanwhile, the whole time, she's on my phone contacting people, finding places, addresses, places to go. At the end of this day, I ended up leaving her at a bar in Lake City with a group of girls that work at the bar, and she was going to go stay with them. Wasn't until I got home later on that night, I realized that she had my phone. She stole it. She never gave it back to me. I contacted some of her friends to 
get my phone back. And eventually the next day after work, I was able to get my phone back. And then when I did get it back, my whole world was like flipped upside down. I have all these messages that were sent to people, news crews, Gemma was one of them, all sorts of different media outlets about situations that I didn't have knowledge of, but they were telling these people that I had information about all sorts of stuff. So when I came across Gemma's message, I got a little anxious a little bit because the, the stuff that she had told Gemma was things that other people were like, Thing was going on, like the whole situation with her having this box. I was aware that people were saying that she was carrying around a box, but I really didn't know what the situation was with the box. And Gemma seemed like she knew. She's, hey, this box is real. She's saying she has this box. I need it. She's apparently the information she'd given Gemma was viable information that she really felt in her heart that Kelly was telling her the truth. So I had decided I'm going to help her find Kelly. I'll help her. We'll get to the bottom of it. I went to the boyfriend's house. I contacted friends and other family. And Kelly's supposedly out running around burying a box in the backyard. Meanwhile, while I'm looking for Kelly, I have not seen her, been able to talk to her myself. I was just going off of information that people were giving me. I went to the boyfriend's mom's house and she's like, she just came and got a shovel. She's been digging up the backyard for an hour. Things like that. And then who I was always told was her brother, which I've come to find out is not her brother, told me that she was leaving and going to Maryland. And the last time he saw her, she was upset and threw a Bible at him, which was supposedly a Bible that was in this box and that was somehow related to the Keeper case. Now, I never saw anything in the box, personally. Other people have claimed that they have seen what was in the box. Some people say what she's saying was true. I personally never saw it. So after a while, I got a little creeped out and just kind of wanted to be left alone because at this point, I have, I'm dealing with Gemma about the keeper situation. And then I'm having First Coast News here in Florida contacting me about a local case in Jacksonville that I had no knowledge of. And I just kind of felt like I was used and I was in a situation that I couldn't get myself out of. I didn't even put myself in the situation. Over time, I tried to contact Kelly just to get like an answer as to why you did this to me. Because for a while, I felt like everybody thought that I was lying and that I had made Kelly up. And it was frustrating for me because Kelly's been married so many different times. And I didn't really know what Kelly's legitimate last name was. I knew that it was Rhodes at one point. I knew that it was Dylan at one point. And then I had finally spoke with, I think it was Shane that contacted me asking if I would be interested in telling him my side of the story. If I didn't, she didn't record it and post it anywhere. And I was fine with that. And then after I had spoke with him, I I gave him information to somebody who could just verify, hey, Kelly's a real person. Kelly has drug problems. Kelly's manipulative. So I passed on some information to Shane and I guess he had contacted the boyfriend's ex-wife. And so that kind of made me feel a little bit better, but it didn't go away. It didn't seem like I didn't, I don't want to say that. I felt like I was being harassed. I just felt like it was like a never ending circle for me. Like I would give everybody the information that they needed 
or that I thought they needed all the information I had, but people were still coming back. This doesn't make sense. Or can you explain this to us again? And I got to the point that even myself, I had called the Baltimore Sheriff's Department up there and I'd spoke with, because I was scared. I'm like, what if I get in some kind of legal trouble? Because it was done from my Facebook. I had called the Sheriff's Department myself and spoke with the woman who was over, I guess, the case of Catherine. And I spoke with her given her all the information I had, told her my side of the story, thinking, okay, look, I've talked to the police. I've talked to Gemma. I've talked to Shade. Maybe this will go away. But it didn't. And then I found out a couple of, I don't know, how long would all this transpired from the time that it started until we found out what Kelly had done? I can answer that. It started in September. Uh And the last message I had from, actually from Kelly, was in February of the following year. So it went all through the holidays. And she actually was in Maryland, not far from where I live, which I didn't understand who was who at that point. I didn't right. hadn't made friends with you. And so, yeah, it went on for months. And I, I do know that after you had spoke with her, you're like, I just don't think that this would have been the person to do it. And she is very manipulative and that bothered me. I'm like, oh my goodness, they these people think I did this. And that was the scariest part. And I know that during the duration of time trying to find Kelly, make contact with her, there were posts made on like local, like my local towns, like Facebook pages and stuff like that. And this is really, this is getting scary. This is getting out of here. I Because I was, my biggest fear was people were going to think hey, she did it. She thought she was getting away with something. Attention, friends. Are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with mylifeinabook.com. Each week, mylifeinabook.com sends intriguing questions, uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE for 10% off today. And then after Kelly had spoke with Gemma, Gemma had contacted me and was told me about it. She said, it doesn't sound like who I talked to on the phone. That scared me a little bit. I don't know what to do. And then finding out that one of her friends had contacted you and was like, hey, look, this is what really happened. We were just trying to piss Jane, the phone lady, off. We were just trying to get back at her. And then I just, it was such a betrayal of trust because I was so good to her. And over the, the last year, she has tried to contact me but she won't ever acknowledge any anything about the box. She won't talk about it. Now I've heard from other people that she's admitted to what she had done, that she just thought that 
you were going to end up sending her money in order to get this box. Her boyfriend, I had spoke with not too long before he went to prison. I believe he's in prison now. He had contacted me, and I guess because him and Kelly were going through it yet again, and he had gotten my phone number because I actually had to change my phone number at one point between Kelly trying to contact me and other places that she had contact saying that I had information about things would were way more relentless than when I thought Gemma was being because she was very persistent. Like Gemma contacted me pretty persistently. And then I had news crews contacting me about other things that... So it just never went away. So even after I changed my phone number, people were still contacting me about these things. And the boyfriend had contacted me and was like, I just want to apologize for what we did. We shouldn't have done that to you. You were just being a good friend. And dope heads will do what they have to do to get dope. And then he gave me a whole scenario and a whole story about how after you guys had talked to each other on, I guess, like Skype or something like that, you had when you would initially talk to Kelly and to Dawn, he gave me this whole scenario about how you had invited Kelly to come over and to stay with you and that you were going to help her get a better life and something to that effect. And she thought that she was going to be able to gain something from you. Oh my. I just want to make sure our listeners understand. I'm sure you can tell that Jane has a very, uh, and I love your accent, Jane, but it's (laughs) very characteristic. And when I finally got to talk to you, you were never the person who contacted me by phone. The first person that I talked to the night of September 17th did not have an accent, a Southern accent. And the person who finally, probably out of guilt and fear, who called me at the very end and said, did not have an accent. And I don't know who that person was. I believe it was a female friend of Kelly's. And I received the call one afternoon and it said unknown caller, but it did say Florida. So I answered it. And the person said, please don't report me to the police. I just want you to know that we made everything up. And I was there. I don't know what I could have reported because I didn't know who this person was. And she, she said, we were in a bar. We were all looking up answers. We were doing research. We found out as much as we could about the keepers and they said they did it to get back at you because of the wellness check that resulted in an arrest. So I just want to reassure everybody that Jane, the phone lady, is a really fine person, as you can tell from you know what she's saying, and that we are so sorry that this happened to you because the whole world was looking for Kelly. But something still about the whole situation doesn't sit right with me. I think that Initially, I think regardless of me being in involved, regardless of them using my Facebook as retaliation anyway, I still feel like in my gut that this was going to happen to you because the information that they had, it just doesn't seem like that's something that you Googled in one night because you had mentioned that it was very detailed and there were things that nobody, there was no way that you understood how anybody would know certain things that she was telling you. So I've always wondered if I was just like a golden opportunity that night or if that phone call to the sheriff's department never happened, would you have still been contacted by somebody? Oh, I see. Because it seems like they have prepared information and that just doesn't seem like information that you could have prepared 
in the course mm-hmm. of one night. And I know that she has maintained to other people and it's gotten back to me. And I think she has told you at one point that she watched the keepers when she was in jail over the mm-hmm. summer. I think to that effect. So I feel like it's something that she had built up and this was something that she had already planned to do. And then when I happened, I was just an outlet to do it, a means to do it. Could you tell us about some of the other phone calls you had besides from me? I got, I received a lot of phone calls. One of them was from like an NBC or a CNBC about one of the people who were on like the wanted list. They had called and they were saying that my like they lived with my neighbor and I told them that I knew this person that was on this like wanted list and they lived with my neighbor and I was promising I would set them up at my house so that this guy could get caught. The weirdest stuff. They contacted me for a while here that they weren't that these people were gonna come to my house. If I remember correctly, I think it was possibly Dateline. It, it was the, Dateline. It was because- Dateline. The reason I, rem- I remember it so clearly is because I'm sure you remember this too, Jane, because we had contacted you so often. And at the time, I don't think you realized that we were contacting you about different things. That's right. I do remember. And that. the one of the detectives told, I believe she mentioned to you, Gemma, that we should probably stop contacting Jane because she felt like we were harassing her. Correct. And I remember one of the last things prior to that detective telling us that you had mentioned is that you were getting upset because you were continually getting contacted by the media. And that was confusing Gemma and I, because at the time we hadn't done a podcast yet. And we were like, why? Like this, it just didn't make any sense. And then at some point we just hit a brick wall basically. And that's when I sent you, I believe it was a text message. And I remember I started it and I was like, I know we promised we wouldn't contact you, but I would like just to have one more phone call if that's okay. And you were kind enough to take my phone call. And that's when you gave me the name of the boyfriend's ex-wife, who I believe lived like in Washington State, somewhere in the West. Right. Yeah. So then I found her on Facebook and I messaged her out of the blue. And I was like, hey, I have a really crazy scenario that's happening. Can I call you? And she was kind enough to take my call. And I was like, do you know who Kelly is? And this is what got it even more convincing was because the boyfriend's ex-wife, who in this scenario has no irons in this fire at all, she couldn't stand her ex-husband. But she said, yes, I know who Kelly is. And Kelly was a nurse at some point she's like i'm not sure if she still is a nurse and that kind of just went yeah it went along with her story i was like does it sound like she could have worked for someone like in their home and i told her the scenario that Gemma was told and she's like could have happened but i don't see kelly being the person like that has this box and wants to get it to the right person for no reason so i, I it was just a crazy scenario that played out and it wasn't until we were stirring up enough feathers and kelly's friend calling Gemma because she was scared that she was going to get arrested or something did we really realize what was going on but i have some questions for you that i was writing down as you were talking before we had and i want to add that was a very good thought that you had 
Because you are right. It does seem that Kelly had to have researched this all prior to her stealing your phone that day. Because her being at the bar with friends drinking and trying to contact Gemma and stuff, like the, the information that was given to her back then wasn't public information. So she had to have done some serious research in her mind in order to, I think, fool Gemma. Had you seen the keepers up until that point? Until Gemma made me aware of, until I had spoken to Gemma, I had not even heard of the keepers. I think you told me that you didn't have Netflix and I was, we were, I was talking about it. And then you said, I don't know anything about that. And then I think once you saw it or saw part of it, you understood that I was not an evil person. And see, that was a part of the thing in the beginning for me is because I knew that I didn't know anything about this. And at first I was kind of leery as to, are you really who you say you are? So you're calling me wanting all this information. And all I knew is like, Kelly, unfortunately, like, so I told you this at the time, but a part of me always wondered, was this somebody who was just looking for Kelly because Kelly did something? And like, I always wondered that too. And up until I had watched the keepers and I was like, this is a real thing. This is real. This woman's not lying. Well, I, and I, had, I thought you were at first. I'm like, this lady is crazy. I know. And you know what? I remember you said after all this was over, for some at some point, I think I asked if I could call you. And you said something like, okay, so let's start all over again. It's really nice to meet you, Gemma. And I said, yeah. So I want everybody to know that Jane is a delightful person, very intelligent, very smart, and absolutely very understanding. And I I don't know what to say about we what we put everybody through because we I was scammed. And that I do people that know me and that have seen me on the keepers page, that is rare for me not to have the intuition that somebody's BS in me. And I bought the whole thing. Because, for example, yeah, when she started talking about the lady, Bernadetta, said she was afraid of her husband and she he had some boxes and he told her not to look in them. And I was like, well, she didn't tell me her husband's name. I said, what was her husband's name? And she just said, oh, Edgar. And I I got chills because she I was asking the questions and she had the answers. So I wish I knew, excuse me, who those women are. Because the one that finally confessed that everything had been made up because she was afraid, I appreciate that. But the one that made the original call and was doing all the talking, I have no idea who that was. I know it wasn't you, Jane. And I've always, I wonder if that phone call was placed by somebody in Florida or that was made while the call was came to you guys when she was in Maryland. So I don't know if that was somebody that she had there in Maryland that was like, hey, call them, let them know that this is Oh, I see. Yeah. I have a lot of questions myself about things that had transpired, like her lying and her saying, oh, I I wasn't even in Florida when that happened, but her arrest record showed completely different. And it's like that. And when she has caught, she has tried to reach out to me a couple of times over probably about the last year and a half. My first things are always like, why did you do this? Tell me. And then she won't even acknowledge that she played a role in this. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about it. So to to this, as far as I know, but I do know that she has been in trouble since then in Florida for trying to scam the Catholic charity services. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually how they ended up catching 
her boyfriend and her boyfriend ended up going being in prison now is through whatever they were trying to pull through the Catholic services. Mm-hmm. How did you first meet Kelly? I met Kelly through mutual friends. And I just want to say when I first met Kelly, she was genuinely one of the most delightful people I've ever met in my life. She was a very happy person, very loving. She was, she had a mom. She was a mom. She has two kids. She was a great person. She was one of those people that you just enjoyed being around. They had positive energy to them. Then she ended up getting married to a man named David. And I think that was the start of the down, downward spiral for her. She got involved in drugs. And I don't even think she realized what she was getting herself into when she did. After about 2015, 2016 is when I really broke off ties with Kelly because unfortunately, when you get involved with drugs, you have to do what you have to do to get them. And she became a thief. And that's not somebody that I could have around me. So our, really, our friendship ended and I was kind of only there when she needed something. I still always had love for her. I appreciated her for who she once was to me. So I felt, I feel like sometimes that's why I always was there to catch her when she was falling. Every time she needed, because nobody was there for her. It got to the point where, you know, her best friends, her family, nobody was there because she cried woof so much. I can't tell you how many times I had put this girl on a bus and paid for a ticket for her to go home to Maryland for her just to turn right back around and come back. She worked as a nurse, didn't she? I don't believe she was actually a licensed nurse. I believe she was like a medical assistant or a nurse's assistant. I don't think she was like an LPN or an RN. So she was educated. Yeah, I would definitely consider Kelly to be a very educated person. She was talented in a lot of ways. She could craft you anything under the sun. That's probably why she was so successful at this then. Probably. She's very fast on her feet. She could bounce back from anything. So I think that she knew what she was doing the whole time. I think that this was something, in hindsight, looking back, I think that this was something that she always intended on doing. And I was just the person who answered the phone that day and picked her up that day. And I have a few questions just for clarifications for our listeners Did you ever see a box? I personally never saw the box, but I heard about the box for a long time prior to being contacted by Gemma. So this was prior to her having your phone? Yes. Yes. Who all do you know or who all can you remember has mentioned the box prior and after? Her friend that she lived in Virginia or lived in Maryland with, Stevie, that's how I became aware of the box initially was I had me and another girl, another friend, Janelle, had taken Kelly to Maryland. Yet again, we had drove her up there. And not even 24 hours later, Stevie, her friend, had contacted me and was telling me that she wants to come back to Florida because she says she's got to come get this box that she left in Florida and all this craziness. And then I didn't know what she was talking about because... Kelly never mentioned it to me. I have never heard Kelly actually say anything to me about the box. I'd only heard it from other people. Her boyfriend was telling me about that. She had been driving around with a cardboard box that you put like files in like a head off to it. That she had been driving around with this box that she got out of her dad's shed or something like that for months. And that she won't let anybody touch it. She wouldn't let anybody look in it. And I just always thought, crazy high Kelly. You know, that's She's on drugs. 
probably believes there's something with this bot. I've always had heard about it, but I never personally saw it. And another thing that always confused me about the box is all the times that I had gone and helped her pack all her things, get her clothes, all her stuff out of Dawn's house. I never once heard her ever say, oh, I need to get this box or, oh, hold on, I never saw it. She never brought it up. I think it was a tool of tactic. I think it was maybe she talked about it enough, people would believe this box was real. Yeah, it sounds like this was very planned out. Gemma, when you first spoke to Kelly back in September and shortly following that, that was about four months after The Keepers was released to Netflix. Do you remember off the top of your head the specific details about why you felt she was telling the truth? Absolutely. She told me that whoever I spoke to that was using Jane's phone, because it said her name, said that she had been a nursing, a home nursing person, that she would do home health care. And she met this woman who we all remember as Bernadetta, who had this, who left her a box in her home. And the girl said, I was told I couldn't have it. But I got a lawyer who figured out I could have it because I had my name on it. Everybody knows this part of the story. But I said, so what is in the box? And she said, there are school books and the covers are torn and some of the pages are stuck together. She said, there's a diary and it's difficult to read because she said it's been in my father's shed for several years. I remember this. And that she said, the name Anthony was in the diary. And we know that Joseph Maskell's first name was Anthony and that the name Kathy was in the book, but she couldn't read the words because they had been damaged. And she said there was a wooden box inside this box. And she said, I shook it up and I had to break it open, but there was a brown rosary and some scripture readings and then i don't remember jane you said claim to have seen kelly at the post office but whoever that man was said that he tried to get her to come back that he i think he said to you that both kelly and Gemma must be crazy you wanted to speak to the brother or what right thought was the brother and And i had tried to give him the information he was like she's Kelly's crazy. This lady's crazy. I don't want to be part of it. But then apparently what he told you was that she threw a book at him, that it was like a prayer book or a Bible. On the front of it, it said St. Clement. And for people who have watched The Keepers, they know that Joseph Maskell was the pastor at St. Clement's Parish. And it wouldn't be unusual for a parish to have a Bible or a prayer book with a cover that would have the church's name, the parish name in gold. So there, and then when I said to her, what was the husband's name that she was afraid of? She said, Edgar. And just, I believe every single, I bought it. I bought the whole thing. So I do think now that you're saying that Kelly may have been in prison during the summer. And if she watched the keepers, she would have had plenty of time to put all this together. Especially if she thought she was going to get some kind of a monetary gain from it. 
Because right. at the end of the day, unfortunately, I've been down the road with her enough to know that's her motive for everything. That's interesting. I told the police, I called the police, our contact at the Baltimore County Police Department, who has handled this case. And I told her about this. And she was a tentative. She's a cop. And she called down to Florida. They couldn't find any record of this woman. And then I think you contacted her and, or maybe she called you and said, and you said, which you asked her to stop harassing me. And she did. She called me and she said, Emma, you need to stop calling her because it's becoming harassment. I was genuinely very scared. I was uneasy because then there was talk about coming to Live Oak. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what if these people think that this is me? And I was, I was scared to death. I really was so scared. What is my family going to think? This has no, nothing I, to do yeah. with me. And people that saw the keepers know that Edgar called a radio station and said that he had the rosary case and that it had Sesnick on the outside of the case. So it makes sense then that whoever set this up said there's a brown, plain brown rosary in the in this box. Said there were letters, there were documents that had the Archdiocese of Baltimore written on the documents. Oh I wanted goodness. to see, I know, I wanted to see all of that. So I even arranged with a friend that if the box showed up here where I live, she was going to come and we were going to videotape every single thing in the box. We were going to put on rubber gloves so our DNA and our fingerprints wouldn't damage anything. And I told the police that. She said, if the box shows up, I don't blame you. I'd do the same thing. And I do remember, and I think I had told you this, that when while trying to find her those couple of days for you when I was looking for her, that somebody had told me she's probably at the library because she spends a lot of time at the library. I want to also add that the fact that she was calling from Florida and talking about Edgar, Gemma, we also knew non-public information at that time, four months after the Keepers went out. It was not touched on in the Keepers about him being in Florida. Isn't that correct? correct. That's correct. And See, I didn't even know that. Right. He lived he came, he came went to Florida and his first wife, who was actually in the keepers, she contacted me when she heard about this whole box thing. And she said that he had called her from a hotel and that he was going to marry a woman in Florida, and she said to him, you can't do that because you're still married to me. And we do know afterwards that when Edgar married his second wife, he used the name John. So he's bigamist. He married the second wife before he was divorced from the first one. And that wasn't information I don't think she could have found. I think, I feel like maybe she just lucked into that. I also wanted to mention also, Gemma has mentioned being scammed by this. But I think that we also should remember that when all this was happening, it was, we took it seriously for a few reasons. For the first, she had not yet, at least, asked for money. Also, from her telling you this all over the phone, and then all of a sudden she disappears, and suddenly someone is saying, oh, she had my phone. I think it's fair to say that not only was Gemma and I very confused in the beginning, 
We also were worried that this girl was in danger because she had stressed before, didn't she, that the Catholic Church or someone was trying to get the box from her? Yes, she did. Oh, my gosh, I forgot that. She said that she had been contacted by the church and they wanted the box. And I remember telling her because I wanted that box. I was determined to get that box because I knew I would recognize the stuff in it if it was significant. And I said, if you want to send it, COD, I will pay for it when it gets here. Or if you want to send it from the post office, I will reimburse you as soon as it arrives. So she knew there was something in it. But it was interesting because she even mentioned that her father lived in the same town that I live in. And that was after I gave her my address. And she said, oh, that I was just there a couple of weeks ago. The box was in my father's shed. So for a long time, I was contacting everybody I could find named Kelly Dillon, Kelly Rhodes, Kelly. What was the other last name? Began with a T. Tingle. Is that her last name now? I believe that. I think unless she did not change her name the last time she got Mm -hmm. married, it should be Rhodes. Because okay. she married David in 2016. So I think her legal name is Rhodes, but she goes by Tingle. And is that her maiden name or her married That's name? That's her previous married name. I'm not sure what her maiden name would be. It might be Dylan. I'm not sure. Okay. We had, I tracked down every single person named Kelly Rhodes, Kelly Dylan that I could find on the Eastern Shore. And people were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it was crazy. It really was. Yeah, and I think that it's also important to realize that not only were we so confused in the beginning, but I truly was scared that this girl was in danger because she had shared that to you in terms of the Catholic Church trying to get a hold of this box and she's trying to bury the box and then all of a sudden she just disappears and The person who she called you had used her phone. It was just a whole confusing story. And I think just from my standpoint, I was getting a little worried. And I do remember telling Jane when I talked to you on the phone that I was prepared at that point just to go down there and start knocking on doors and asking questions to figure out what was happening. Mm -hmm. Because we were all just so confused. And I actually had... I found somebody from the Keepers that lives in the same town that you guys live in or nearby. Mm -hmm. And she goes to AA meetings and she said she was going to go to every meeting she could and ask about Kelly the Box Girl in case somebody knew about her. Because at that point, I had this picture of Kelly walking around town carrying a big box with stuff in it. I don't know. What do you make of her trying to dig up... The yard. Whose yard was it that you think she was digging in? When I got to the boyfriend's mom's house, she said that she had been in the back. I'm assuming it was the mo- the boyfriend's mom's backyard. Because they, I guess she had left and went and tried to find a shovel because nobody would give her a shovel. Everybody thought she was being crazy. And then I guess somebody, somehow she found, got a hold of a shovel and she was, had been out digging up the backyard. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. <laughs> so, who knows? You know that at the time that I finally, I did have, a, I did Skype with them because I really did not, I was worried about her too. And both yeah. she and the boyfriend were on Skype. And from what I could tell, they were not far away from where I live. And something didn't feel right to me. And at the time, I actually looked his name up and there was a warrant out for his arrest and he had left the state of Florida. So at that point, I thought, okay, this is not healthy for anybody. And I just cut everything off and didn't communicate with them again. And of course, blocked any phone calls or messages, but yeah, it was really a crazy story. And what was her side of the story when you spoke with her? I don't think I was ever privy to that. You guys had discussed like what her um, side of it was. Actually, I found some of her messages on my messenger and let me... Jane, when was the last time you actually spoke to Kelly? I know that you've mentioned that she's contact tried contacting you, but have you actually spoken to her since this happened? She called me the beginning. It was right after I had my daughter. I had just had a baby in this past October. She called me. I want to say it was like towards the beginning of November because it was still around Halloween time. And she had called me from a restricted number, but I knew the voice like almost instantly. And I asked her why she was contacting me and she sounded tearful. 
And she just asked me if I would be able to help her. She came to Florida and that she was really wanting to get sober. And then I had asked her a question and I was kind of very short and snippet with her. I was like, after all you've done to me, like, why would I want to help you? You can't even answer a single question as to why you did what you did to me. And then that was the very last time she has tried to contact me. She didn't give me an answer. She was just like, well, I guess you're not going to help me. And she hung up on me. Wow. Did you say that the boyfriend's in prison currently? For I believe so. I know that he had a, an active warrant in Florida and they were doing something. I'm not even sure how it started, but apparently they were trying to scam some charities, the Catholic Charity Services in Lake City. And somehow the police got involved and he was, when they got there, they found out he had a warrant and he was arrested. I believe he is currently in prison. I think it's important to to realize how in-depth this whole process was. Just You have to think for a second that just to make sure that she could fool you into helping fool us, she went to her boyfriend's mom's house and in a whole separate interaction tried to talk about a box and tried to get a shovel. I don't think that her mom, her the boyfriend's mom was realizing what was happening. Yeah, I think I she don't... was actually like telling you what she witnessed. That is a huge in-depth process for a scam artist. It blows my mind because I know Gemma gives herself a hard time sometimes when it comes to this scenario because we were scammed because the story was not true. But just as you mentioned during a, a little earlier, like she was so in depth with this process, even even before she stole your phone that night, that it just seems like she had this whole thing planned out. So she's she seems like she is a very intelligent person in order to be able to get to that far in this scenario. Yeah, I and I agree. I think it was one of those things when she, once she realized that I knew that she that that Jim had contacted me. I think once she knew that I was aware of what was going on, she had to really kind of up make a show of it. Like she had to really prove that what she was saying at the time was true. Because I don't believe that his mom was a part of it. I don't believe that she would have lied about Kelly's actions or her strange behavior. Because her the mom genuinely was concerned when I got there. She's like, oh, she's been going crazy about this box, needing a shovel. So I really feel like once, because I was trying to contact her because I was worried too. After I talked to Gemma, I'm like, what, what is going on? Let me see if I can help. And then everything went really weird. Like things that I'd never heard Kelly doing before all of a sudden now Kelly's doing. I think Kelly got wind that, hey, look, this lady contacted me. Now I'm contacting you. I think she knew that she didn't really have an out. I did find her, but you know, this is really weird because last night, I found all of the messages that she and I had exchanged. It was like, I don't know what she's talking about. I don't know who these people are. They're crazy and they're not my friends. And it was just like, just lashing out. Yeah. And I was saying like, I'm really sorry this happened to you. Are you okay? So Gemma, what you're saying is when you, during your conversations with Kelly, after we realized what had happened, she never actually confessed to you. 
I didn't have any more conversations with her after I found out what happened. Oh, okay. Okay. Did she ever try to contact you after you found out what happened? I tell you, we had that one FaceTime or Skype conversation where they said they were like 45 minutes from where I lived and they could come over. And I, that made me uncomfortable. And so once I just didn't respond, once I found out what was going on, I did not respond to them. And I do remember either she or Don reaching out to me saying, is everything okay? And at that point, you and Shane and the woman who lived on the West Coast had put the pieces together so that I knew it was better not to respond and to just block them. Now, I do remember her telling another a mutual friend when all of this was going on, because I was just like so dumbfounded. I'm like that she was going to be on. I don't know if it was brought up to her about going on Shane's podcast, but I know that she had told people that she was going to be on this podcast and she was telling people that they needed to come and listen and check it out. I just mm-hmm. think that she thought she was getting some kind of fame out of it. Probably what she thought. And I don't remember. I can't believe I can't find the messages. I just had them last night. Nobody's going to believe I'm looking in my messages for her under her name and I'm not finding it. So I'll probably find it as soon as we hang up. But they were somehow archived. And uh, yeah, Shane, if I find them, I'll add it later to the podcast. But it was pretty much just her saying, this is crazy. I'm not that kind of person. I don't know what's going on. I didn't do this. And you can trust me and blah, blah, blah. But I I don't know. I was really curious about whether or not there was ever a box. The girl that finally called me and said, I don't want you to tell you who I am. I hope you're not going to have my number traced. And she, I think she did the call blocking thing. But anyway, I said, no, I just am glad that you told me the truth. That's all that we care about. She said, I know this got out of hand. I don't know who this person was. I almost think she just felt guilty and afraid and decided that she better tell the truth. So at that point, I reintroduced myself to you and told you that I had heard from her. And that was the end of it. But yeah, I disconnected from Kelly and the boyfriend right away. The whole situation just seemed to me like it was just, it was always very Lifetime movie-ish. Uh-huh. It was so many theatrics and such, such a storyline from her. Because what wasn't she supposedly in South Carolina at some point? Yes. And she didn't have a ride and she was hitchhiking with the back and that Somebody right. in Maryland went to North Carolina to get her, to bring her the rest of the way. And if my mer- memory serves me correctly, I believe, and that's kind of how I knew, like, Kelly was lying. is because she said Scott was coming to get her. Oh. I remember okay. that. Because I remember okay. her telling me that Scott was going to come to South Carolina and Scott was going to get her. And that's hmm. how I knew instantly that she was lying because Scott would never have drove from Maryland to South Carolina to get her. Wow. I guess I'm going to ask you, Jane, is there anything that you would like the listeners to know or anything that you would like to actually say to any of the people that set you up? Because this is your ball game and we don't censor what people say on our podcast. I've allowed myself to be very angry about the situation for a very long time because I felt 
and I have maintained throughout all of this. I've always felt that maybe even Shane, everybody doubted me a little bit and always like it's always been in the back of people's heads that maybe she had something to do with it. And because of me feeling that way, I've allowed myself to be very angry. And I was very angry. And I know at times I was extremely nasty towards you, Gemma, just because I just, I didn't know anything about it. And I just want people to know that I genuinely am sorry for being nasty to you. And it wasn't because I wasn't, not because I didn't care. I just, this is not my problem. I'm being forced to deal with somebody else's problem. And I think Gemma is one of the most strongest, sweetest people you will ever meet. And the people who have built up this whole situation, I don't know what makes people do hateful, evil things, but it really has, it's affected me in a lot of ways. I don't, I just, I hold a lot of anger towards it. And Kelly knows what Kelly did. And whoever else was involved with it, they know what part they played. And you affected people's lives. And that's the scariest part about it is that you affected people's lives. You made people go on a wild goose hunt for something that doesn't exist or may, maybe doesn't exist. Nobody really knows. There was never really any clarification or answers really given. And just shame on you. I could cry because I'm really pissed off now. Just talking about it pisses me off. But I just shame on you for what you did. And I really hope Kelly is listening. And I hope Kelly, wherever she is now, I hope the guilt gets to her. And I hope one day that you can apologize. Not to me, not even just to me, but to everybody who was involved. Because people were up all night looking up things. People were worried about you, you know, about Kelly. People were you affected a lot of people's lives, whether you realized it or not. She affected so many people because of one lie. She knows what she, knows what she did. It's been a long time since it happened. But in the course of the long time that's happened, I've had to change my phone number. I had to get a restraining order against the boyfriend. I have had to do a lot of things because of her actions and the actions of whoever decided that was going to act with her. It was a big deal. I don't know what she expected to come of it as she thought that she could just leave the situation and she didn't have to deal with it. But something should be in place to protect people from people like her. She did try to scam people. She made up a situation that I don't believe a box really exists. And I think I've told you that before, that I just don't think it exists because knowing Kelly being the narcissist that she is, if that box would have existed, everybody would have known about it and everybody would have known that she was the one who found it and turned it in. I know you say you get a lot of false information or people just saying they know something, but he knew once he started responding back to her that you were interested and yep. she kept it going. That's cruel. On a personal note, Jane, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And I'm so glad that we've become friends. And I think your courage and your integrity is speaking loud and clear. And I think that Kelly had a group of people working with her. And I hope that everybody's learned something from this. But I just want to apologize to you for the aggravation you went through because of what happened. I'm glad that we were able to get a fresh start. I wanted to mention this. I've worked several cold cases and missing person cases. And one of the reasons why I was loving the idea of having you on for this episode and further sharing the entire Kelly the Box Girl experience 
Gemma and I have mentioned several times to each other and other people that this would make a perfect movie. And it's not for entertainment purposes from our perspective, but for awareness. And I say that because having worked several cold cases and missing people cases, scams happen a lot. And it's so scary. For example, there was a missing person case that I worked on prior to working on the podcast. It was on a girl who had recently gone missing. And the family members were so desperate to find her, they would get contacted by these scam artists who would create photos and images on, we have her, and if you pay us right now, we will release her. If you don't pay within an hour, she's dead. And just to, to prey on people who are so wanting to find their loved ones or so wanting to find justice or in Gemma's case, to find out what happened to her teacher. Just so heartbreaking. And this whole experience allows people to realize the huge problem that it is. And all Kelly lied to us, all she wasted was our time. She didn't waste our money. But Jane, I think in this scenario, you were the true victim here. Because what you tried to do was an act of kindness. You tried to help her. You tried to do something. And, you know, that's in itself. You should be praised for that because that was so kind and so nice of you to do. And look what it got you. She tried to use your name to scam other people, hoping that it would fall back on you because of an act of kindness that you had. And I know just from this experience that this had to have been so frustrating and you have a right to be angry and i think if kelly does listen to this or if anyone listens who knows kelly she is a coward because she has not apologized not to us i don't care if she reached out to me and apologized whatsoever but she owes an apology to you and so do the other people who participated because they did out of an act of kindness that you did for kelly And I think that until those people and Kelly admit, admitted to what they did, admitted that it was wrong and apologize for wasting your time and your name and all of this, there there needs to be an apology. And until that point, they're cowards in my mind. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 